This is the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voiceless, a weekly podcast hosted by Chris Milson, a podcast to help break the stigma of mental health and to remind everyone that it is okay to be not okay, and to remind those that they are never alone. Please also note that Chris is not a psychologist or psychiatrist and is speaking from research and experiences. Trigger warning for those for the possible explicit content and language. What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the Mental Health Movement Podcast, Voice for the Voiceless. I am, of course, and your host, Chris. Today, um, we are coming back with uh, with our guest from last episode, Derek. Uh, we're going to finish his story. Um, for those of you who may or may not remember, we left off with uh, covering his addiction and uh, how he overcame that and going into his comedy career. Today, we're going to talk about his healing journey and basically uh his relationship with god so uh help me welcome back derek derek how you doing buddy hey chris brother i'm doing good thank you for having me uh back up here for part two i'm I'm looking forward to it absolutely yeah, man. thank you for coming back on uh it's always uh it's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast and uh always great to talk to you man i feel like uh i feel like we always have great conversations um feel it's it's really hard in this community to find people that are like-minded and that are interested in the whole healing journey, you know, uh, just in general, man. So I do appreciate you coming on. Um, before we dive back into your story, so today um, being Suicide Prevention Day uh, during Suicide Prevention Month, I just want to remind everybody that, you know, it's okay to not be okay. You know, um, if you're ever in crisis, Please don't hesitate to dial 988, which is the Suicide Prevention Crisis Hotline. Um, there are many resources and there are a lot of people that love and care about you. So please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, if you know me personally, please don't hesitate to inbox me. Um, I can help you find resources if you can't help them, uh, help find them yourself. Um, always more than willing to, to help anybody who needs it. So that being said, guys. Um, so, you know, as I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, we left off on your story with, with your addiction and, um, with, uh, your comedy career and, you know, how that helped you cope through, uh, your journey. So let's, uh, let's get into when, when the healing started. So what, what did that journey look like to you? And at what point did you, uh, I guess, figure out that you needed to start healing? Oh, wow. Um, a lot of it came from when, uh, man, just going in and out and back and forth into treatment from treatment, where if it was psychiatric care on the mental health side or detox or substance use or a 35-day program, a 45-day, uh, uh, even getting into a cult. <laughs> a cult? Ah, a cult, yeah. It was. I'm intrigued. Um, yeah, it was uh and I'm and I'm not saying <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying because listen, okay, so I wanted to the calling of my spirituality of my higher power who I call Christ Jesus has been um uh an, an anointing on my life is has been uh pastured to me since I was a kid and I just anywhere that I go in any spiritual foundation that is is biblically uh, uh 
a, a, a biblical Christian that's, that studies sound doctrine in Christ through the Bible uh, with, with the guidance of the Holy Spirit. It's been, hey, Derek, you're a preacher. You're going to be a preacher. Man, miss me with all that. I ain't no preacher, man. I'm funny. I'm going to be a comedian. I want to live my life. I want to have fun. I want to have women. I want to do what I want. Nope. You're going to be, I'm telling you, Derek, listen, and my mom, oh, it was my mom, my mom. I'm going to get back to what you were saying, but it was my mom who was always like, God's going to do, God's got a plan for you. He's going to do something in your life. I mean, I wish you would stop saying that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not, I didn't say you was going to be a preacher. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> ah, I love my mom. Uh, I love my parents. I love my parents in general, my dad and my mom. But that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying that. And then I would go to uh, different churches and, and try to find where I could grow. And I went to this cult and um, not saying this, all of them are like that. But this particular one um, wasn't about what I thought it was going to be. So, and, and, and that, that goes to answer your question. How did the healing begin? The healing began when I was just desperate. Um, when I wanted answers for my mental health, for my addiction, I, I wanted to stop hurting. I wanted to stop being angry and, and enraged and uh, lashing out. Cause I always looked at myself as, um, a kind guy, a kind hearted guy. But then if I find someone is trying to use me and abuse me and try to manipulate me, I lash out and a military, you know, the military didn't help with that. Not dealing with the trauma from childhood, dealing with the trauma from military, being taught what I was taught in certain situations, being in the military didn't help with that. So I, I wanted to heal. I wanted to go somewhere where I could study God's word, and not worry about anything. Um, but the healing began when I, I realized I started hurting people. Uh, I and, and I was hurting people along the way in the mental health, in the addiction. And the, the healing began when I just wanted to something different. Right. I wanted to... Uh, I didn't, I knew this wasn't what God had for me. I knew that me smoking crack cocaine in my car, <laughs> not being a good father, a good brother, uncle, child, son, even husband, uh, wasn't what God wanted me to do. And I'm not going to lie to you. I asked God, listen, can you please get me out of this hell? I asked numerous times and I, I wanted to know why. And now I do know why. And it's, it's to be here with you and, and to help your listeners and viewers and to do the same for mine and to be of service, be a humble servant. And hey, if I, I can make it, and I know people say this all the time, it's so cliche, but it's true. If a person like me can make it with all the different, and, and I minimalize minimalize and minimize no one's struggle everyone's struggle is your own and it's value it's value and it's credible and there's lessons to be learned but i only going on my experience if there's if someone like me can make it we all can and if i can be a, a helping hand 
and, and uh, someone that can sacrifice and jump down in that pit with you, just like Chris, my brother here and others. I'm willing to do that. I don't I know a way out. It may not work for you, but I'm going to give you what I got. And I hope and I pray it does. Um, healing just it was a process. Yeah. Healing ain't going to happen. No healing takes time. Absolutely. Healing takes time. So I'm still healing. Yeah. Um. So there's there's one well there's a couple important things uh, there that I just kind of wanted to draw out from and the first one being uh, I really appreciated that you mentioned uh, not to minimize anybody else's uh, struggles because I feel in this community as a whole and and I guess just people in general I always feel like people are either intentionally or unintentionally always trying to compare traumas you know it's mm-hmm. always uh, if you sprain your leg and you have a friend that broke their leg, it's like, oh, well, at least you can walk on yours. You know what I mean? It's it's always, and, and I don't know why society is like this. And I've always tried to figure it out because my mom was like that. And, uh, you know, every time Christmas would come around, she would always uh, mention how uh, the guy that her friend was with got her a jet ski and a boat and everything or whatever. And my mom would get like flowers or something really nice from her boyfriend at the time. And it was never enough. Um, and I, and I just feel like in this community specifically, if you, uh, if you say you have PTSD, somebody's like, oh, well, I have uh BPD or I have uh ADHD. I have this, I have that. It's just like <laughs> so many people in this community just, I feel like struggle to uplift each other. It's mm-hmm. always, I, I always feel like it's an attention thing. And, and I don't mean for that to come out like dismissing anybody else's struggles because that's not what i'm trying to say but i always feel like there's somebody always trying to make their situation look worse than somebody else's you know what i mean like i've had Mm -hmm. people uh completely dismiss anything i went through uh with my mom because they said oh i didn't walk in her shoes i'm like you're right i didn't walk in her shoes she was too busy hitting you with those shoes you know and it's like so many people uh, on, on the women's side on the men's side, kids side, whatever, just cannot seem to validate each other, validate each other's struggle. So you, you uh, mentioning that you don't minimize people on your way up to healing and, and walking this journey, I felt is really important for everybody who listens to this podcast or any, anything that I put out, it's, you know, trauma is not a competition, nor should it be treated like one. I like um, that. I like that. I really do like that. What you just said, trauma is not a competition. I really, I've never heard it put that way. I really like that. It's not, I agree wholeheartedly. And and, you know, it's, uh, I always feel like it's, they treat mental health struggles like a sport. Like it always has to be competitive for whatever reason. Um, And, and another thing I, I, more of a question for you. So you mentioned how you went to treatment centers and everything like detox and, and stuff for your mental health crisis, uh, whatever situation you were facing at the time, how were those treatment centers for you personally? Cause I always hear mixed things from friends who have been in treatment centers. And obviously I've mentioned mine, um, when I got Baker acted, um, so what was that experience like for you? Did it help you at all? Or is it just kind of one of those, I have to do this and that's it. Uh, it depends. Uh, the, the, a couple of times it was first time treatment was uh, in, involuntary because it was suicide attempts and I didn't have a choice because I was in the military. So they sent me to 
um, Lower Ridge. They sent me to Darnell. Um, these are treatment facilities. Well, Darnell was on Fort Hood and Colleen and, and Lower Ridge was in San Antonio. So, um, and then it just depends. Depends on if the, where, if you're going to go wherever a bed is open, you know that for the most part, if they don't have a bed, they're going to put you somewhere where they have beds. And it, of course, it's, it's an insurance thing. We'll get into that at some other point, but that's a whole nother discussion for a whole nother time that I have a problem with, um, with that type of bureaucracy and politics. But anyway, um, it depends. Uh, the first time I went, they misdiagnosed me because uh, I was angry. Of course, I was angry. I just came back from uh, two deployments. I just got back from Korea and then I'm here stateside in a unit that has no idea what combat is. And I just did too. And again, I when I say I don't minimize or minimalize, I don't because I know people that's been to four or five, six deployments. But it's also what goes on in those deployments right. that change a person. Every deployment will, combat deployment will change you, but it's what is going on. So I know people that's been there that have gone on deployment six months and people that have been there 14 months. And that six months, in that six months, compared to that 14 months, in that six months, it could be devastating compared to the 14 or vice versa. So I get that. Uh, it just, again, depends. I, I got misdiagnosed. I didn't know what diagnoses were. I didn't know what bipolar was or PTSD or MDD or any of those schizophrenia. I, I, I didn't know any of this, this terminology or, or any of this. And as I'm going more into or, or a uh, addiction gene or it's, it could be hereditary, it could be passed down. I'm just mad because of things that weren't addressed in childhood. I lost two of my brothers. I'm pissed off. Sex isn't really not doing it, but I'm still like we talked about the week before or the last ep or the, the, the interview before the hypersexual nature that thank you for that word that I, I have that's really not doing it for me anymore. Uh, or if it's, it's doing it, it's a very brief, subtle huh, release. And then I'm pissed off and I'm angry. Or I'm sad. Or that, no like one's temporary high. Temporary high. Right. And then it passes. And then I need it again. Oh, I'm blacking out because I'm taking so many different combinations of drugs. And I'm still trying to work out. I'm still trying to take care of my family. It, and then you get there and then you meet some psychiatrists, some psychologists, some therapists, some clinicians that are just there for a paycheck. And in my experience, is I've it's been rare that I meet people that have that humanity of care that listen, I'm here because I care. I'm here because I want the best for you and I'm going to try my damnedest to give you everything that I got daily to make you succeed because I want you to succeed and understand your mental health struggles and or addiction or both. They call me, as I've learned, dual diagnosed or co-occurring or co So because I, I have it's, uh, mental health conditions and substance use disorder, learning those terms and learning what those mean. It wasn't easy. And then understanding, okay, am I having a mental health crisis or am I having a substance use crisis? Because sometimes they can overlap. 
Sometimes those symptoms look the same. Am I depressed because I ran out of drugs or am I depressed because I'm coming down from drugs? Am I depressed because I lost two brothers and 15 sisters? Am I depressed because I haven't reconciled with my dad? Am I depressed because I am used to be a good father, but I'm estranged to my daughter and I miss my son's birthdays. Now I need to go get high. Now I need to go back to treatment. Okay, I'm back in treatment again. All right, yeah, let's go. I'm doing treatment. Oh man, I forgot to take this piece of crack cocaine and this apparatus out of my car and it's calling my name. <sighs> and I need to take a hit of that and off to the races. Now I'm depressed again because I ain't a piece of sh poop. <laughs> and you can swear, and, bro. <laughs> yeah, I try not to. I'm trying to be I better. Know, and and I yeah, but. It. And, and and am I a piece of crap? Am I? It's man, help me, please, Lord. Yeah. I I don't I don't know. Okay, now back into treatment, killing my mother, running back, running her back and forth, and killing my dad, and just letting people down. And this ain't me, but I need it because I don't know who to talk to. And then you might meet one or two people. We're talking just clinic doctors and, and psychiatrists. We might meet one or two people that may may stick with you. Man, I met four. I met Tanya, Melissa, Larissa, and Steven. Man, the reason I know their name and I can see their face because they care about me. They care about all of their patients. And it's so hard to load. find the, those people like that, man. It really is. It really is, and I and I and I and I, and I don't want to get teary eyed, but I when I think about them, I think about how they care about me. I think about how for them, they, how they stay up late at night, and how they come up with curriculum and assessments and programs to help me out to be the better me because they see that and they don't want that potential to be lost. And that's that dedication right there too, man. Like that's, I feel when we reach out to those kind of resources, you know, uh, I feel like more people have those negative experiences than not, but I, I'm, I'm happy for the handful of like genuine people in this community that are, that are able to help, like, especially the people you met. Cause when I hear the number four, you know, immediate like trigger in the back of my head, it's like, man, he had to go through so many different therapists or so many different uh mental health resources just to get where where he's at right now but hearing you say all four of those people equally had a heavy impact on you is something i wish i heard more because i feel there's there's more people that go through several different therapists and not finding what exactly they need and like you said like misdiagnosing you like i've i've heard that from several people it's like oh well they prescribed me this but i don't have this and like you said, misdiagnosing. Um, mm -hmm. So it's it's inspiring to hear that you have four people in your life that have given you that that kind of impact and uh, was able to breathe more life into you than and, and still reach out. They still yeah. text me every now and then, like Derek, how you doing? I'm doing this. I'll send them podcasts or, or the radio show. I send them. It it when I left, it because of I did. It took me a. a when I my one of my relapses, it took me a long time to go back because I didn't want to disappoint them. And um, 
But yeah, they still reach out. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to let you oh, know. Oh, no, they, you're fine, man. They still reach out to this day. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, there's, there's, so there's one thing that popped in my mind, like listening to, uh, you know, you are overcoming the demons and, and struggles that you had uh, going through treatment and stuff. Would you say essentially um, healing from addiction and stuff is a, is a form of grief because you're, you know, essentially outliving the person you used to be and accepting that you had the problem and trying to come to terms with that's not you anymore and becoming who you are now. So I guess, would you put that in the same level as the, you know, the five stages of grief? Yeah, I would. I mean, it's going anger and stuff that you mentioned too. Yes. It's, it's all of it. It's the, the understanding. Well, let me back up real quick. It's the, I real quick. I want to say that, um, if you do find a good therapist, a good PCP, a good doctor that has your best interest at heart, stick with them as long as you can. Talk, talk to them, be honest, be transparent. Because the one thing I learned is if you lie, they're only going to be able to treat the lie. Please hear me. That's one of the best. And my boy, uh, Darnell, he was at one of the last ones. He was a good veteran therapist and he instilled he gave me that lesson like hey dear listen i only can treat only can treat what you tell me if you come in manipulating lying and deceiving i'm only going to treat what you tell me i can't treat what i don't know so all i'm saying out there listeners and viewers when you do find someone that has that humanity and of course it may take time be honest and transparent with them because they can only treat what they know. They right. And they're only going to treat a lie if you tell them lies. And I always say for me that group therapy, talk therapy, like me and me and, me and Chris is in group therapy, even though it's a one-on-one, it's still, it's still I, don't, I like group therapy. I like talk therapy. It's just one of the things because I get to listen to my peers, I peer to peer. Peers are like very, I love peer groups. I love learning. Okay. And understanding from my peers like you, Chris, like my contemporaries of, man, okay, I'm not alone. So, yes, to get back to your question about is it part of the five stages of grief? Absolutely. And it takes time. And it takes time to accept all of those stages. It takes time to sit in those stages, feel those stages, and recognize, okay, it's hard to look in that mirror and be like, I did that. I accept that. How can I amend that? And how can I move forward? You know, I always say recovery to me is inspirational change moving forward. Whatever that looks like for me to move forward, that's best for me and my family and my friends and the community as a whole. How can I do that to better myself that I can be a productive member of society? And and give people the experiences and as suggestions, as tools, because everything may not work, but I still want to give it. And you pick from what you need, put it in your first aid kit or your toolbox and go from there. And then, oh, then we have a conversation or a dialogue that worked for you. So what did you do? Well, Derek, I tried this and I tweaked it. But it was the what or Chris, I tried what you said. I got the foundation, but I added this. Like, okay, I didn't even think about that. That is that's brilliant. Yeah, that's the growth. That's yeah. the restoration. 
you know i, I really so, like the first aid kit analogy that's that's a good one <laughs> yeah that's my first aid kit first aid kit is because of military right. first aid kit is there to get you to triage your first aid kit is to sustain you to get to me to get to call chris or to call my boy call my boys, call my ladies, call my support system, call my sponsor, call my psychiatrist or psychiatrist, psychiatrist and psychiatrist or therapist. My first aid kit is there to get me to triage, to get me to the next step. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So is your, uh, you're still seeing a psychiatrist, psychologist right now, right? Yeah, I go to I'm I go to the mental health at VA all the time. I got okay, my that's what I was gonna ask psych, if it's yeah, I got my psychi psych which one is psychiatrist. Yes, I got my psychiatrist. I got me a, a caseworker, social worker, all these things come with the VA. And then I got my um um sex therapist. Um she's completely different from my right. mental health because and and I talked to her about the the you know the hypersexual active things, and then mm. I got my uh primary care doctor and then I got my mental health a speciality mental health that also helps not only with the PTSD but with the addiction of substances because right. the addiction of substances and, and and activities is different even though they're they're similar right? yeah um mm -hmm. so this kind of goes uh carries over to the next portion of this podcast but before we take that step there the the therapist you have now is it like uh by chance like faith based because I know there are certain therapists that you know uh, will bring in their faith based um, perspective into helping somebody heal because I know you have a very strong relationship with with Jesus and and you know you're really heavy on yes absolutely uh, that's a good point if if you are uh... Whatever your my faith is is Christianity, uh, a biblical Christianity, um, understanding sound doctrine through a biblical worldview, understanding what the gospel teaches. Yes, I need that in my as my therapist, and it took a long time to um, that too. So on top of finding a therapist, a psychiatrist, or psychologist, uh, and the difference is one can prescribe drugs and one can't. That's the difference. Um, then on top of that, finding someone that believes in what I believe in, that's even a, another subset that is going to even take more time. So, yes, uh, for the most part, I, I knew that's what I needed because uh, a few that I had started with didn't understand mm -hmm. as I grow in my faith, which is a part of my recovery, which is a part of my journey. They don't get it they didn't understand and we would just have this back and forth where um, I'm talking my faith and I'm talking how my faith in Christ he brings me to people or people to me and messengers to me to help sustain me also like I, I can't it, they weren't understanding that they weren't getting it they was looking at it more from a scientific point perspective and i get that because a lot of people in the in that type of science uh in that type of social science don't believe in a higher power um and it just didn't work you know yeah. so i had to find that yes so instead of assuming um i'll ask th that's always been like you've always been a bit oh jesus biblical christian like that's always been your belief right like since you're uh, a kid 
uh, it was believed that I, I never understood. I never grew up with a hateful. Uh, I never because some people say um, the God when they come from different homes, the God was very vengeful and, and wrathful. Um, yeah. OK. Uh, I grew up understanding um, of a loving uh, God. Yeah. A God that will correct a God that will discipline. I mean, we all have to have discipline. Uh, we all have to have correction. Um, I put it to you like this, the love. Well, God's love was violent. Okay, yeah. If my child runs out into the street and a car is coming and I go and I jump in front of him to dive in front of that car, yeah, that's that love will look violent. An interesting way of putting it. I like that. <laughs> my, I, one of my mentors that's, i mean that's a that's a good one though one of my mentors told me that that love will look violent if i'm mm -hmm. going if a car is coming and my kid is in the middle of the street not paying attention and i'm there not being a, a neglective parent but right. to save my child's life because the, the ball is rolling in that that love will come and it will look violent right <laughs> i mean so um, if I'm doing everything that I possibly can to save my child or to save my family member, sometimes that love will look violent, not violent as far as abuse, but right. violent as far as I'm going to do whatever it takes to make sure that I protect them with all of my life and all of my being. Yeah. So, um, biblical Christian just became something to me that because Christianity, there's a lot of denominations that fall, and I saw your post. There's a lot of denominations that fall under Christianity that aren't biblical Christians. They don't stick to biblical teachings that come from God's word. So that's why it's it's now you have to be even more um, specific of yes, being a Christian of biblical worldview, meaning. I'm looking at the world through a biblical lens. Anything that I go into, how can I find it in scripture and how can I relate it? Not only observe it for what is going on in that time period, who the audience was that God or Jesus was talking to. And then how can I apply that to my life now in 2023, 2024 and beyond? So, yeah, biblical Christian, meaning that. My foundation is in the word of God not adding, not taking it away. And I'm learning that as I go, because a lot of things that I've been taught has not been correct. Right. And right. And, and, and I'm, I'm not a fan of that. And I want to learn correctly so I can teach correctly because there's a lot of misconceptions about a lot of different things that we've learned in this faith that are not correct. And um, I don't want to um, cast aspersions on anyone because again, they might not have been taught correct, but I, I know that, yeah, biblical Christian is something that I, I identify as is is in the word of God in scripture. So, yes. And that's so, something that I'm learning now. It it wasn't it's something I've been learning for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, so so let's let's talk about that. Um, you know, you're you're coming out of your journey, starting healing. Um, you know, dealing with the demons that you were struggling with and the mental health crisis and stuff. So let's talk about your your relationship with God and how that became stronger once you started uh, 
being given the tools to fight your addiction and fight whatever mental health uh, crisis you were dealing with at the time. So let's talk about uh, how your relationship reformed with God and how, uh, I guess, it got you to where you're at right now. Okay. Um, Again, I didn't want to accept the calling or the anointing or the this path. I didn't want it because I thought I would lose something, uh, a part, and, and I did. Uh, I lost worldly cares. And what I mean by that is I'm a good steward of what God has blessed me with. I had to learn to be a good steward of what the blessings God has given me and not let the blessing define my value. You know what I mean? I had to learn that. I had to learn that because I was fixated. I was a cars, clothes, Jordans, jewelry, necklaces, not really rings. I just got my me and my, my wife's rings, watches, uh, earrings, uh, fashion, women, money, uh, big house, fancy car, big bank account. Oh, like I like I had told you the last episode, like, well, the last time we talked, the 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 predicating that on my sex that made me a man, being able to take care of my woman, buy this thing and give her good sex and have a decent bank account and a nice apartment or a nice home, being a good father, a good person, man, had nothing to do, that was, I was still empty. I was still empty. Um, the comedy was, that's what I wanted. I wanted to be a good comedian, make good money doing that. Nope, he had other plans. Uh, that was just to be able to get me in front of people, to talk to people and, and understand how I can use my humor, not only in that arena, but where I'm at now. And in my mental health, I cussed God a couple of times. Uh, in my addiction, I didn't. When I lost my brothers in, in Iraq, that first tour, I cussed God. But I repented for that. In my addiction, I didn't cuss God. I haven't cussed God since that time. Uh, have I taken pieces back? Yeah. Have I not given 100%? Yes. I'm learning to give 100%. I'm learning that for me, I can't do nothing without God. I can't. I All my strength comes from God. Everything that I do that I have, this breath in my body is not my own. I didn't breathe in my own body. <laughs> I didn't, I can't, I can't give myself life. Right. You know? Yeah. I, 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 like this, this breath is not even mine. And, and this, this temple that I'm occupying for a short period of time is, is going to go, go away. So what can I do that honors God, um, and, and pleases him and, and, and do my best to live as righteously as I possibly can without a moralistic delusion like so i'm learning a lot about who i am who god is and who god wants me to be and it took almost 39 years i'll be 39 in december and i'm starting a whole new career path a whole new look on leash on life look on life and i owe it all to god i was telling one of the people that um 
was watching the podcast, watching the radio show, like, man, Derek, you good. I get a lot of you good at what you do. I'm like, I give credit to God. All honor and glory go to God. Well, Derek, you have to take some um, perspective and give yourself some credit. No, I can't. How can I take credit, man? I'm not supposed to be here. I died coming out of, I died. I was a C, I was a subvert. What they call it? A C-section. I was a C-section. And when I came out, I died. I stopped breathing for 30 seconds. They had to put me on in the ICU and the NICU for three days. That's what my brother, my dad, my dad told me. I'm not, I'm out. The, the enemy was trying to take me out before I, as soon as I came out. And God's grace through all of that. From that point to surviving war, to surviving the over two overdoses on my couch, to surviving in my addiction. Many times I put myself in dangerous situations where I could I shouldn't be here. God was there to catch you. It, every time, every time, every time. And that's the times I know. I don't even know the times that he did. He I, don't, <laughs> I can't even count the times he. I don't know. And I that's what I'm so grateful for. Is right. the times that I don't even know you. Uh oh, I got you. I got you. Here you go. You don't even know Jesus. You don't even know. <laughs> uh, I, I goof with my wife all the time. Like, ah, oh, but they were eating popcorn. Hey, Jesus, look, there you go again. There you go again. So, uh, <laughs> ah, you gotta love Derek J. Fields. He's, he's got oh, the hum- he's got the humor from you. God, man, listen, <laughs> I, I know sometimes I, I know he worries and the father put that I put on a show, but I trust in his sovereignty. I trust that. Listen, before we came, look, we talk about the hypersexuality part. I'm looking at Shark Tank and uh, one of the ladies up there that's one of the sharks. She's a very attractive woman, very, very attractive woman. And I have to. Deep breaths, deep breaths. <laughs> I'm taking deep breath. <laughs> I'm taking deep breath. I have to. If I okay, speak, Lord. if yeah. I speak, if I speak, in the name of Jesus, help remove that that lustful spirit from me. That I don't go and do the wrong thing. Right, right. You know, right. I ha- and and I, ha- I have I have to put my faith in Christ every day. Surrender every day. Um. They, we you know, in the fellowship of NA, they say just for the day. Sometimes it's just for this moment, just for the second. I have to know because if I don't, yeah, I, I, it's um, one bad decision away. Where if that's given into the mental health crisis or the substance use crisis, it's just one bad decision away, and 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 I'm, I'm back out there and yeah. I'm gone. Yeah, so I. I'm grateful. It took a long time. I'm still learning. I'm going. I'm starting school to to in theology and getting my and, and my concentration in Christian counseling. Then I'm gonna go to seminary so I can know how to teach the Word of God the best way that I possibly can. And I'm never above reproach. I'm never above correction. If I'm correct, if I'm teaching something wrong, I want someone to come correct me because I don't want to lead anybody astray. And like I told you before, I think we had talked about it. I'm trying to implement it and take it into. Um, institutions and treatment facilities because they yeah. don't prioritize that and someone like me that grew up in that needed i think it should be prioritized in in, in um, treatment facilities both sides psychiatric and um, um substance use um so 
Yeah. So that kind of leads me uh, to a question that just kind of popped in my head whenever you mentioned that, you know, in these institutions, they don't implement it. Why do you think uh, the word of God has just kind of been taken out of, I guess, every aspect of of society that we know today? You know, whether it's uh, whether it's relationships, whether it's school, whatever it is. Why why do you feel the word of God has been just removed from everything? Do you think there's like a black cloud over you know the relationship with God? Or I want to hear your perspective. Okay, so that's a good question. Very good question. I'm gonna put it to you like I told my wife. I told my wife as as she's growing in her faith and, and we're teaching one another. What in your and I want I want I'm gonna it's a question to you. I'm gonna answer your question, but I'm not answering your question with question, but I want to I want to ask you this and maybe even your viewers and your listeners. So out of all the religions, what religion do they focus on that they that has been scrutinized through all the Christians? Time? What they say? And what did they that tell you? Have ju- very judgmental, hateful. You know all those things. What What did they? T- what does that tell you? They don't scrutinize Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, um, 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 Jehovah Witness. They don't. Those they don't scrutinize. They do not be. They they don't attack them. Right. Not saying that. Listen, they don't attack them. They don't hold no weight to the level of Christianity does, especially biblical Christianity. Those who are teaching God's gospel, his word for word in his living word, in his written word, they attack Christianity. Right. They go for it. That means something. If we open our eyes and pay attention, they attack it because it means something. It has weight. It has value. In what it is, right, means something. They don't attack things that don't mean anything. I'm not going to attack a country, I'm not going to attack someone that's not a threat. If I oh, that's a threat, I need to make a plan for that threat so I can go attack it and tear it down because that is the threat to what we're trying to do over here. What about them over there? They ain't a threat to what we're doing over here. That over there is a threat to what our agenda and what we're trying to build over here. They people attack was a threat, and that's that. There it is. We're taking it out, and we're implementing other things that have no basis in Christianity, that don't fly in Christianity, that does not. It's worldly. It's worldly. The enemy is has no power. The enemy only copies. The enemy only is able to copy. He's, he wants to copy everything that God is trying to do. He's trying to get followers. He's trying to get subscribers. He's trying to build his brand. He's trying to reverse engineer everything that God has set forth in the divine order. And that's what we're seeing now. That's what we've been seeing through history. Right. History don't repeat itself. People do. Because we're finite. Yes. (laughs) History don't people do. Right. Because we believe that we're better. We believe that we know better. We believe that we are self-sufficient, that we're we're dependent on self and independent of God. And that's not I'm not I can't I am I am dependent all on God. I am independent of self. 
and that that is frowned upon. What do you? Well, God isn't loving. Yes, yes, He is. He does. He he. If we really want to get into it, God loves everybody. He doesn't love sin. He doesn't love my sin. He doesn't love it. Like he, he, it, 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 it's no that every every moral code has a basis in Christianity. Right. Where do you get your moral code from? What 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 does your moral code come from? Because at some point in your life, you've been exposed to Christian and Christian spiritual values, Christianity spiritual values in some shape or form, even though you may not know what it is. That's what it is. And a lot of people arguments they borrow from the Christian, but biblical studies. Right. Like where are you getting where are you getting where are you getting your where are you getting your laws from? If you don't believe in it, even atheists, even atheists understand that it, there's there moving forward now. Even more atheists are understanding that. Yeah, we do get our moral code that, that, that there's there's something that gives us a moral code. There isn't just we have a moral code. We had to get the moral code from some somewhere. So right. We just didn't create a moral code. So, right. um, yeah, they taking it out because it's a threat. They, they look so, that. No, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I didn't mean to cut you off mid sentence. Sorry yeah. about that. No, um, you're good. I was just gonna say. So I guess essentially that kind of leads into uh, the nuclear family because I guess the nuclear family's pretty. You know, that's pretty like that's a a relationship with God, you know, you're marrying somebody in a church, you know, that's having that relationship with God. And it kind of makes sense why society is like trying to cut out that nuclear family, trying to normalize that broken home and single parent stuff, because uh, like you said, trying to rewrite everything and trying to ignore, you know, people that have that relationship with God, that the people that get married under the relationship of God, um, for my my personal experience um i was judged a lot by my grandparents um you know whether it was what kind of shirt i was wearing you know what whatever it was they were um i don't think they were christian i don't remember exactly what what they followed but they were very judgmental mm. and it was a huge turnoff for me and just like trying to pursue any kind of relationship with god and you know fast forward to to now being 31 I, I call it a higher power and don't really align myself with, you know, uh, a specific religion. I, I think it's more, more for me, what you put into the universe comes back to you kind of thing. Um, I, I, I always feel like there's that black cloud around uh, Christians for whatever reason. And, you know, you said it best, you know, it's, they're always trying to rewrite things and trying to make it their own, but it's, it all stems down from Christianity, like you said, Um and I, and I think a lot of it is fear too, why they don't um, align themselves with a relationship of God, because I can tell you personally, I, I'm terrified of uh, forming any kind of relationship with God, because sometimes I have a hard time looking in the mirror myself, man. Um, and like you said, I, I, I truly admire your, your relationship with God because you've co you've gone through so much and have gotten to where you're at. Like, Whenever you go live on Facebook, man, I'm like, I always tune in, always listen. And it's just like, man, you're one of the most insightful people I've I've ever listened to talk. And I and I always enjoy our conversations or even listening to your Facebook lives because you don't find very many passionate people uh in this overall community that put their all into it without 
some slight of hate and you have zero percent of that hate in you so uh like i said man i I think that was gonna kind of bleed into uh my question of what the most uh most common misconception is uh in your following um I, i don't know i don't even know if i have one i mean i'm not even trying to i'm not even trying to get one i mean i know that sounds weird but I just want people to follow God, follow Christ. Like that's my, that's my mission is if to get, to get people to the great commission for me as a minister, as someone who's a minister going, going to school to become a minister and a chaplain is to save as many souls as I can and to get people to understand Christ. And I get what you were saying. Listen, I grew up kind of like that too. It's, and I then I have to understand that I got to give we got to give people grace because it's a generation, generation, generation of misunderstanding, misunderstanding, uh, misunderstanding, miseducation, misunderstanding, miseducation. And that is very generational. And yeah. if um, my parents, your, my grandparents, their great grandparents, if all that is miseducation and misunderstanding. And of course, when they come to us, it's like. Don't wear that shirt. Don't do that. Okay. Now, why? Don't talk back. Okay. Okay. I know not to talk back, but educate me on why not to wear this shirt. Okay. There's certain things that as Christian believers in Christ, we can't do because it's, it's disrespectful. It blasphemes. It disconnects us from the love of God because we're not supposed to have any other idols. We're not supposed to have any other gods. We're supposed to worship God. And like you said, you believe in the what you put back into the universe, you get back. It's from the Bible. You reap what you sow. If you sow good seed, you get good seed. If you sow bad seed, you get bad. If you sow bad harvest, you get a bad harvest. You plant a good harvest, you get a good harvest. That's from the Bible as well. And a lot of people don't even know that the things that they say, where it comes from. And it's like, well, no, that's not where it comes from. See, I would never be that ignorant. (laughs) (laughs) I know you would. I know you uh, would. But that that misunderstanding and uh, miseducation. Yes, because, okay, explain to me why it's wrong. As believers and members in the kingdom of God, there are certain things that we cannot do in this world because it's just not of God. We, the, the, I was on Matthew 15, 13 through 16, and I was teaching about the salt and the light and how people who are born again and find Christ, how we are the salt and the light and how back in Jesus time, salt was a precious commodity. And the, what salt does is it adds flavor. It is a precious commodity and it preserves. That's what Jesus was talking about. And then in the light, what do we do as now we, we're light? Where did your joy come from? It comes from Christ. Why? Because now I understand that one, I can't do anything without Christ, but I can do all things with him. And I want to share that with you. And that's where my love comes from. That doesn't mean that trials and tribulations are going to occur. That doesn't mean that I'm, I'm not going to be sad or I'm not going to feel pain. But what it does mean is that I have somewhere that I can go and I can lean on my savior and I can go into the word and I can refill my cup. I can get light because I'm a light receiver. So I have to have the responsibility to bring light to, but that all comes from the teaching of Christ, the salt and the light. That's who we are. And how do we get to that point? 
by understanding that we are not God. We are not, we can't do anything without God. And that's where our strength is. And just like any parent or grandparent or a guardian, you're, you discipline, man, even for you pet people, you pet parents, you discipline your pet, you discipline right. your children, but you do it with love. It's the same. It's, it's, it's the same. You teach your children correction to be a quote unquote good person. But you got to understand that moralism and merit is not enough because we're all sinful creatures by nature. It is just who we are. We're innately bad people. <laughs> and we teach, if you look at a kid and you look at a toddler and, and they get that, mine, that's mine, no. Where they get that from? You teach them, no, right. no Derek, <laughs> no Chris, no. You don't say that. Say please and thank you, okay. If you can't talk to someone nicely, then you can't have that thing that you want. That's mean. That's unloving. That's what God does. That's mine. Mine. No, I want it. That's not how you talk to people. Go get your gift. Okay, what are you supposed to say? Thank you. Why do you say thank you? Because you're showing your appreciation. Please. Why are you saying please? Because you're being respectful. Could I have another um, helping of the spaghetti, please? Absolutely, you can. Thank you. I love you. I love you too. I miss you. I miss you. Why? Why did you talk back to the teacher today? Because they don't understand. I don't give a whoa. Well, first of all, you're not gonna cuss here, and you're not gonna cuss there, and you're not gonna be disrespectful to your teacher. What you do is you hold your composure, you be respectful, and if you have a problem, you talk to that teacher. And if that teacher's still not giving you what you need, you come talk to us, and then we'll address it. Okay. It's correction. What's wrong with being, we don't want to be corrected. We, and in that, in that book, right. in that Bible, is correction. How to, one, repent. Man, you know what, God? I'm sorry. I come to you with my heart bare, my soul on a platter, and my mind open. Come into my life. Change me. Teach me. Correct me like a father needs to to his child. In Jesus' name, amen. That's the repenting. That's the humbleness. That's the pouring spirit. And in that genuineness, a change will occur. But it has to be consistent. And I mean, we're finite people. Yeah, we're going to fall short, but it's the continuation of getting up. It's just like anything else. If you fall, you get up, you get back up. And God, God is a loving God and a forgiving God. And he's a correcting God. Just like any, any child that has a guardian that loves them and wants the best for them. It's the same thing. You're correcting them to be the best version of they, themselves that they possibly can. Same thing that the father wants. Love that. Yeah. Um, I don't, yeah. I don't. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I don't want no following. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm transparent. I make mistakes and I, and I don't hide anything from nobody. I've, I've been married three times. I got two children. That's out of wedlock. I've, I've drugs, sex, whatever. 
you could come at me, but I got <laughs> I got a God that is amazing that has that's been having my back since I came out of the womb. And, and you know, um, out of everybody that I've talked to, I think you've been the most like humble and just like uh, as as human as as humanly possible about talking about your relationship with God. Because, like I said, in my experience, it's always just kind of been like somebody trying to get you to go to church, not trying to understand why you won't go or why you're uncomfortable with that relationship or whatever. It's always, again, we, we talk about this black cloud uh, conversation mm-hmm. of it being rammed down somebody's throat and it, uh, everything that you do wrong. It's like, Oh, well, God wouldn't approve of that. God, this God, that. And I appreciate your perspective. Cause like I said, I, I respect the, the heck out of you. I really do. Um, Thank and, you. I, and, and I respect you too, man. I love what you're doing always. Yeah, and I love you. Love what yes. you do too, man. Um, before we wrap up today's session, cause we're about to hit the hour mark. Um, what what's one thing you would tell your younger self now? Uh, your younger self that you know now. Oh wow! Come on, <laughs> <laughs> gotta get the hard hitter in there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because there's so many things I would tell Derek, like younger Derek. Uh, oh man, save money, understand money, don't let it be the the focal point. Right. Yeah, don't let it be the all in all. Understand it. Understand how to save. Understand credit. Understand how credit is used. Understand how money is utilized. But don't let it be your all in all. And other than that, I, I'm good. It had to play out the way it had to play out Absolutely. to get me to the man I am right here talking to you and your listeners and your viewers. So that would be the only thing that I, w- I would tell them other than that. It, 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 I wouldn't change anything. I don't regret being, uh, I'm an addict till I die, but I'm also, I always say this, I, I am a sinner saved through God's freight. Uh, I'm a sinner saved by God's grace and redeemed through the blood of Jesus Christ. And I wouldn't have it any other way. And, but that'd be the thing I would tell younger Derek, understand what money is, but don't let it be your all. Yes. I love that you mentioned that you wouldn't change anything because you wouldn't be where you're at now without all those things happening. And Every time I, I see one of those posts, like, oh, well, would you uh, rather be born again and, you know, do everything over knowing what you know now? Or would you rather have five million dollars or whatever? I'm like, I wouldn't do anything over again, man. Like, nope. everything that I've gone through. Yeah, a lot of it sucked. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> even going to lie. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yes. laughs> um, but I, I wouldn't change anything because I know what kind of people my parents are. I know what kind of human being my birther is. I know I can't go to my dad for very much. Um, And I know I don't have the best relationship with my brother or sister either. And that's, you know, all you can do is try, you know, and, you know, fail forward is probably one of the best things I've ever heard in my life because we're all going to make mistakes. We're all going to slip, you know, and it's up to us to, um, to be able to hold ourselves accountable. And I feel like that's something uh, a lot of people fail to do is hold themselves accountable. So um, hearing everything that we've talked about today, um, I, I can confidently say that I know you're one one with accountability and it's something you don't see very often uh, in people that are trying to heal. Because like you said at the beginning of the podcast, man, healing's not overnight. It takes work. And a lot of people, a lot of people that want to heal don't want to put in the work. So um, 
at the end of every podcast, of course, uh, as you know, I like to read a quote um, based on whatever topic we're covering. Um, I know you said it uh, before we started recording that you had one, so I'll let you go, uh, go ahead and go first. Oh, did I say that? I don't, yeah. <laughs> I, had a quote. I don't know if I had a quote. I don't never have quotes, man. Uh, <laughs> um, well, yeah, my, my, my thing is inspiration. Recovery is inspirational change moving forward, whatever that may look like for you. I know it is. Sometimes it could be uh, for me um, just telling my wife I love her, do rowing and watching my son play Rocket League, um, kissing um, my daughter, um, just going to go cut the grass with my dad, just going to get some sun on my face. So inspirate recovery, inspirational change moving forward with that. Whatever that looks like for you, that's what it is. That's my quote. Yeah, I love that. So I found one from a Jenny Lawson and it reads uh, to all who walk the dark path and to those who walk in the sunshine, but hold out a hand in the darkness to travel beside us. Brighter days are coming. Clearer sight will arrive and you will arrive too. No, it might not be forever. The bright moments might be for a few days at a time, but hold on for those days. Those days are worth the dark. Mm, I like that. That's a good quote. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. When I read that last sentence, uh, before we start recording, I'm like, man, worth the dark, man. There's there's so much darkness in this world, man. It, it's it's so hard, um, honestly, to hold out for for better days. <laughs> it really is. Um, but you know, like I said, we fell forward and we get through it the best that we can with all the tools that uh, has been given to us throughout life. So, Derek, uh, I just want to thank you so much again for coming on these last two episodes because they have been great. Um, I know I've said it before when we recorded on your podcast, but I'll say again, thank you for your service. Cause without you, people like you, um, I don't think they're, I don't think I'd be able to have a platform like this. So again, thank you for your service. Hey, thank you for your service too, man. Listen, I love you. I'm a full supporter of you and you know that. And I love you. If you need me, you call me, you got my number and vice versa. I'll do the same for you. And um, I'm looking forward to collaborating you, with you on more ventures. And listen, God bless you, my brother, always, always. I love you too, man. And uh, God bless you as well. Uh, I know that's something very foreign for me to say, but I respect you to, to no end. Um, so I will 100% say that back to you. Um, and for our listeners. And I felt it. I know you meant it too. No, I'm serious. <laughs> You yeah. can tell. Yeah. Yeah. You meant it. I know. Yeah. Um, and to all the <laughs> listeners as well, uh, again, today being uh, September 10th is uh, Suicide Prevention Day uh, during Suicide Prevention Month. So again, if you're feeling like you can't make it through today, you're feeling yourself in a crisis, please dial 988 um, or you can reach out to myself uh, or even if if Derek is willing to take inboxes uh, messages as well. Um, we're more than happy to um, help you find resources that you need. Um, and of course, as always, guys, be well and please be gentle with yourself. Till next time, much love.